This is a friend of mine. You got a game going somewhere, pal? And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. Welcome to the party, pal! Did we just become best friends? Yup! Oh, Steve understands the meaning of the word pals, don't you, Steve? So you got three, four good pals. Well, then you got yourself a tribe. And you're in this search for something today. I can feel you rally around someone with your peers. But can you stand alone? Can you take the long way home? There's something in the circle hundred times before. And I feel safer in the eye of the storm. You can throw the stones. I'm only three, four. Utah, give me two. Hello! Plato Podcast. One-on-one. Michael Govier, John Anderson. It's a Palazzo Pals edition of the Palazzo Podcast. Two L's, two Z's on Twitter. Hit the link at the top. It's pinned there. It's real simple. You pin a message. A feed has a pinned tweet. And in that tweet, you will find a Patreon or Discord. You don't want to pay for anything. Discord is completely free. All right? If you like the show, the Discord is basically the show when we're not on the air. we got tons of people in there. 150 members strong. I'm really, really pleased with what we got. So, make sure you join us in there. And maybe you'll hear from today's guest in there once in a while. Who knows? Maybe he'll pop in. He's a guy who's known for his data-driven analysis. He's got his own Substack brewing, which is a lot of fun. I originally came to hear from him, though, about a few things related to hitting streaks and streaky hitters and finding the hot hitter. And Eric Samulski was on the show talking about you and I was like, oh, wow, that's some interesting stuff. I like what I'm hearing here. So, John Anderson, welcome to the Palazzo Podcast, your debut appearance. How do you feel? I can't escape this this damn hot hitters thing. That's all anybody wants to talk about. Um, but it's, it's, <laughs> I don't know. I, I've embraced it. I need to ask. Um, I'm good. Thanks for having me. This will be a good time. This is very well done um, with the borders and that intro. I mean that was cool, and but I need to know what Palazzo is because your name is not that. So what is what is that? Well, there is a movie from 1988, certainly not relevant, oh, dated okay. for sure. Called The Naked Gun. You ever seen The Naked Gun? No, this is we're, this is going to be a running theme that I don't know movies, and I can tell you like to talk about movies. So, but go ahead. <laughs> oh God, talking movies sucks. <laughs> I do. I do do a podcast about movies with my two oh. old pals, Travis and Eric. So yeah, That's cool. yeah, I'm in. I'm into that shit. Not going to deny that, but I will tell you one of the finest baseball scenes of all time. It's not a movie about baseball, but the Naked Gun closes with this third act that is dedicated to a baseball game between two real MLB teams. The at the time. California Angels versus the Seattle Mariners. And they got the real uniforms. And it's all presented so realistically and grounded in a reality that was MLB at the time with just an absurd, absurd premise. So basically, there's this guy in the crowd who jumps up, points out, and everyone gets quiet. And he goes, hey, it's Enrico Palazzo. And that has become to a certain generation, at least, a pretty famous line from that film. So people okay. who've seen the movie definitely know it. But if you've never seen the movie, you're like, what the hell is this? Why? Yeah. Yeah. Now I know. and I'm a little upset I asked, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> well, hey, I don't want to upset you too greatly here. I'm glad that you're aboard here because we're going to learn a thing or two about you and baseball and life overall. And I like to get to know... You know, I, I've been doing this a while where we do a combination of fantasy baseball analysis and we mix in questions about you so we can learn, have a few laughs, hopefully. Yeah. And- I like that a lot because uh, I started a podcast this February because I was like just getting a little bit, um, you know, I so I used to work at a normal job, still have a normal job, but now I work from home full time remotely. So it was just kind of wearing nice. on me a little bit that I wanted to talk to some um, adult men more so because i you know i have two two kids and a wife so it's not like i'm i'm never around people but um, i started it mainly for that reason to talk and not just about baseball either but it's been mostly about baseball because that's you know that's what people want to hear from from guy you know the reason i have a following and you as well probably although you do movies and stuff but whatever the people that follow me is because i they like my baseball stuff but i i like to talk about other things so that's that's good i'm 
I'm excited for that part of the the show here. Well, look, you can make anything you want out of anything. I truly believe that. There's no limitations out here. Today's world, which you do, I mean, you have your own Substack. That's your own thing. You can do whatever the hell yeah. you want with it, right? Yeah, but you got to, you know, at some point you have to play to the to the consumer. You can't just really go off the wall crazy, but you're right. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, that. It, I mean it depends what you want. What's your bottom line, you know? Yeah, yeah, you have to do what is best for the product, I guess. And it's not like I'm I'm not depending on that to feed my family or anything like that by any means, but still like I, if I just brought a bunch of people in to get my baseball stats and all that stuff every day and then I'm just like dumping my religious beliefs, although I still do slide those in every once in a while. But if I if I go like too over the top with that, I'm going to, you know, I know people don't want to hear that and even if they humor me, it's like I'm not really doing the right thing so i mean you will get a little bit of that if, if you read my notes like every once a month maybe i'll slide something in there um but i yeah you, i don't want to go too too over the top of it well it does say in your bio the christian right yes okay it's right there well look it's there it's not ain't no secret so people are gonna know where you come from but it doesn't mean it has to define every single thing you do it's a part of your existence and a part of your beliefs well, if, if you're you know, I, res- if, I respect that if you're not a Christian, then I need to leave the show right now. So if you could please. Yeah. All right. We'll see. Ya. I'm a Jew. Although I was baptized I as. Yeah. I'm baptized as a crazy Catholic. Actually, that's how yeah. it started for me. But my mother and my father were a Jew and a Catholic at a time when a Jew and a Catholic getting married was very controversial. Right. So yeah, maybe that's why things didn't work out. But <laughs> But look, I'm glad you're here because. You know, you have some really solid data-driven material that I find useful. I was, I was hounding your Twitter feed, looking it over, and considering some questions for today's show. Because on the Palazzo Pals edition of the Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's. Utah, we give me two. Mix it in, fantasy baseball and other crap. So if you've been on this show before, we had Chris Towers recently from CBS. Uh, last week we had John Legaza, MLB Moving Averages, who I know you're a fan of, and. The goal is to, I don't know, just see if we can get somewhere that we weren't before the show started. So let's dive into that. We're going to be curious, not judgmental. Have you ever seen Ted Lasso, John? Watched first episode, hated it, quit. Oh, hell yeah, man. That is the kind of hardcore response I appreciate. That's the first time I've heard somebody say flat out, I hated it. And I commend you for being honest. Thank you, John. Yeah, Yeah, no problem. You got it. All right, so let's get it going right here. We'll start with fantasy baseball. Ba-ba. A hitter is officially hot when he shows us what? It's an unanswerable question. Um, it's hot is it may exist. I don't know. I suspect it doesn't. Um, there's no way to know the. So the answer to your question is officially hot can only be deduced in retrospect. You can have been hot. <laughs> but you cannot currently be hot, at least innocent until proven guilty, right? Like until you can prove (laughs) that someone can currently be hot. And I know you have to do this whole dance around the definition. And that's the whole point because you can't argue this with anybody without defining the term. Um, But no, I, I don't really believe that like you can elevate your ability for a temporary period of time. I think that can happen, but I don't think it's explained by whatever hot means. I think you're just getting better pitches to hit or you're healthier at that point, or maybe. So let's say that, I don't know. um, Bryce Harper's had a long career. He hits a home run every 15 plate appearances or something. So that could Mm -hmm. be expected to go on like every 15 plate appearances on average, he'll hit one. That does not mean, that every five games or every four games, he'll hit one, right? It's not going to be no home run for 14 and then one. And then you're going to have clumps and you're going to have streaks. And the average is deduced by the long haul, the law of averages. So when he's hitting three in eight plate appearances, people will say he's hot. I don't know. I think he's just happening random chances, putting those together rather than spreading them out. So, um, But if you read my notes, the um, if the, if it does exist, I would say uh, that you could probably tell when a when a hitter in recent days is chasing bad pitches less, hitting the ball harder on average, and making more contact when they swing. 
So that would that would suggest that they're seeing the pitches better because they're not swinging at bad ones. They're getting their hands to the to the bat to the ball quicker and more optimally, and that is, results in the ball being hit harder. And that second one kind of goes with it, contact rate as well. Um, so if it's real, then I think those would be signs. And if you read the Substack notes, you can see who's doing that above their career averages every day. That's like a, every day it looks at the last week and sees who's beating their career averages and all of those. So I don't know. And I'm even logging the stats. I'm saying you can go. I haven't looked at it much, but every day the script runs and says, okay, eight days ago, I said, this guy was hot. Here's what he's done since then. So at the end of the season, maybe I can go do a whole analysis of this to see if hitters do actually outperform their career averages shortly after being deemed hot. I suspect they won't. It's not a question of enough, pal. It's a zero sum game. Somebody wins, somebody loses. Yeah, Almost. that's pretty. I pretty <laughs> much feel the same way. I, look, I love digging around and going off feel still. I'm never going to abandon that. And yeah. I'm not even going to sit here to try to debate the merits of feel versus what the stats tell us directly in our face, whether the surface stats are the deepest, most analytical stat of all time. I'm always going to mix in my experiential knowledge. Not always going to work. And neither will me looking at what I see with a hitter or a pitcher who's looking to a, to, to a different trend from what they previously were with certain stats like, you know, less walks or something. It's like, oh, well, he's walking less, guys. Is this something that's a fluke? Is it consistent? How do I know that? And so I, I, I don't want to sit here and debate what's a hitter or a pitcher that's hot or not. I, I don't know why... Uh, you and Eric have a fun thing going. I, I appreciate that, but we're not going to focus on that the rest of the show. But I did want to ask that question right off the bat because people like Jared here love you and your Substack. So there it is. Thanks, table leg. Currently hot are Randall Grichik and Isaiah Connor Falifa. So keep an eye on them this weekend. And if they do well, then you can tell me to go screw myself on Twitter. <laughs> I welcome it. Okay, well, look. This is America. You don't make money. You're a fucking douchebag. Now, what you going to do? Yeah, I've heard that before. I've heard that. Uh, you have the buttons? The, yeah. Physical I buttons? buttons or... I got actual wow. physical got... buttons right here. Yeah, they're, so there's a bank of eight, and they have eight more banks simultaneously. So I have to switch the bank to go to the next bank. But I do actually have eight buttons. They're colorful. There's red and yellow and green and purple. It's pretty cool. It's the... This is the best, the, the, the most professional operation I've been a part of, I think. So. Wow. Well, well, damn, shit. Well, yeah. that's a really round of applause button, too. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, all right. What about NFTs? Do you own, own any NFTs? And if so, yes, which ones? But if not, why not? Are you asking me this because of my negative, my NFT hate tweets? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Good. No, I don't own NFTs. I don't. I would like to know. I understand what they are. I understand that it's a, a non-fungible token, meaning that it's a digital combination of bits and bytes, often in image form or always in image form. But you own the image. You own the original image. So if I if I have a Word document on my desktop, that's the original. And I, if I copy and paste it to you and send the copy to you, mine would be the original, and that's supposed to be worth more. Um, it's a scam. I don't know who determines the value i mean the value is based on value is just based on what people will pay that doesn't even the u.s dollar isn't pegged to gold anymore right that's been gone for 50 years so yep. u.s dollar is the same way it's all based on confidence any currency is these days but to compare that i mean that said it's not close like billions of people have confidence in the u.s dollar and the, the nft is some new trendy thing and people are paying money for an unlimited resource. I mean, isn't that a pretty, there's still a finite re amount of dollars. I mean, the federal reserve wants to push the limits of that, I guess, but they still, they still need, although they don't need paper anymore either. So you can print limitless dollars as well. So the, the comparison is kind of interesting. Um, but uh, a digital image, I mean, who do who even determines, is there like a board that says this is officially an NFT and this is not, or I mean, why don't you understand how that part works? I'd be lying to you if I said I did too. I okay. I hear I've seen NFTs. Uh, I've thought about creating my own NFT, but I didn't actually want to go through with it because I just didn't think it would be worth my time. Although it would only take like a minute, I could do a one minute video yeah. of me just doing like 
Yeah, and someone might buy it for a dollar. I don't know. So no, no offense to you, but doesn't that just prove the the, the whole thing? If anybody can just, uh, I mean, I don't know. But <laughs> I guess it's it's a thing. If you you can hop in on it and get lucky and buy one and sell it off, because there's a decent bet that something will be worth more tomorrow than it is today. But if you're like holding an NFT for like the long haul, don't do it. And if you're like a young 20 year old something guy with a job, yeah. like don't do it, man. Just buy some freaking mutual funds and take advantage of that compound interest and yep. at least play that game. I mean, everything might go to shit anyway, but man, I'd rather have, some, <laughs> I'd rather have some Amazon Apple stock than a stupid picture of myself or someone else. So, yeah, it's fair to say that, you know, putting your money in the hands of Wall Street people or investment firms can be very, very risky as well. Although the risk might be less mitigated, but it's still, yeah. it's all risky. It's all wild ass gambling at times. We've already seen it in action. And a lot of people, unfortunately, they look at the biggest moment or like the most grand, glorious moment where someone sells an NFT for $60 million, which is just so, it's more more ridiculous than winning the lottery or at least as ridiculous yeah, yeah. and do we even know it's true or is that that could just be a fake right. story to, to say that that happened to make you more interested in the thing i don't know i mean i, I understand bitcoin pretty well i read a couple books about that and it's interesting because at least there's like a purpose to it to get away from centralized yeah that's different i think but, that's completely yeah. different and i still don't want any bitcoin like i don't want any part of that and, and maybe i should just in just in the the outlier case that it does because it could just like totally explode but um i'm not even a cryptocurrency guy so i'm surely not doing yeah. anything with, with nfts and i would advise against it nfts are nfts are pointless in my opinion however Good. i do own some crypto and the only regret i have is what you just pointed out that i had too much of it i should have had less of it and that's a lesson i learned and i still was able to I will tell you this, that right now it's down for me and I'm waiting for a price return, which may never come, but I was able to use it to my advantage for a while. So it wasn't a total loss at all. It does have some actual monetary gains to return to you in real time if you are paying attention and really getting into some more day trading stuff. But that's very, very, very risky world too. I'm not going to deny that. You're dealing with human, you have to fight against your own human nature here. It's, it's like... The problem with casinos, right, isn't only that they win 51% of the hands dealt. It's that you have a floor of $0 and you have no ceiling. You will stay there. If you start, come <laughs> with, if you come with 50 bucks and you turn it into 100 bucks, um, you're not going home because you're feeling pretty good and you're going to keep playing. If you come with 50 and you immediately lose it, you're going home. So you have a floor, but no ceiling. They keep you in the doors. And that's a problem with Bitcoin. Um, I'm sure a lot of people could have cashed out for hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars and didn't do it because they were feeling so good. Oh, we can't fail. So then you have your human nature <laughs> doesn't let you see things clearly. So that's just yep. another element to it. So tough game. All right. The illusion has become real. And the more real it becomes, the more desperate they want it. It's true. Yeah, you're pretty good. <laughs> I got my moments here. We're talking live with John Anderson. You can follow him on Twitter at John. I always get this one wrong for a while, but I finally mastered it. I finally got it right. It's at John P-G-H. John J-O-N. Oh, do you live in Pittsburgh? Yeah, I used to and for my whole life until 2020. Now I live in Indiana. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're uh, closer yes. to me now. We're, we're not far apart. So Where are you? I'm in Michigan, so I'm, a couple of, I'm in the metro Detroit area. All right, I'm on the border. I'm in Granger, like the border oh, right there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, shit, Jasper, you hear that, Jasper? Jasper lives in Indiana, too, so Jasper right here who said hello earlier. I could have been there hitting the buttons. I could have just driven <laughs> up. We could have. I've actually, yeah. all I've been doing this since January 2020, and I don't believe I have ever sat down with someone <laughs> face-to-face and done a show yet. Besides my partner, Deary, who I do the main show of this show with, we did that. For, so there was a show before this called The Sharp Idiots that we did for one fall yeah. college football season in 2019. That was the first iteration. And we actually, me and him, because we lived in Ann Arbor together at the time in 2019, we sat down together face-to-face. And that was the only time I've ever done podcast with a real human in my presence. So pretty bizarre. Yeah. Weird world. 
Ooh, baby, baby, it's a weird world. So, yeah, follow him on Twitter at John PGH for Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh is a city I've actually been to more than once. I used to have a job where I would go there and work accounts for universities, very tiny colleges and universities that needed a software client relationship management systems. And uh, I learned a lot about Pittsburgh. I rather enjoyed yeah. it. It was a good time. I learned about Permanente Brothers. So. Yeah. I lived in the city limits for three years and then just outside for five more before I moved here. So, All right. How about that? See, we're learning stuff here on the Plazo yeah. Pals edition of Plazo Podcast. Two L's, two Z's on Twitter. Utah. There it is. I, Give me two. I hit that button a lot. It gets a lot of run on the show. It's just how it is. John, Matt Carpenter will be blank in September. Now, I know this is a very difficult question to answer, but I, I just want to kind of see where you would go with this because that's part of the fun. So Matt yeah. Carpenter will be blank in September. I think he's, I think he might've found a, a niche. Um, he knows that the way to stay in the Yankees lineup is to hit a bunch of fly balls to right field. <laughs> uh, he, he's done that so far. Um, he knows, he knows who he's not. And he's, I think he's just going to keep trying to do that. Um, I, in September, I think he's platooning, striking out a little bit more, but still hitting some home runs there. Um, the power is pretty legit, 17-something percent barrel rate and a contact rate in the mid-70s. So those are the two things I like to look at. Um, if you read my stuff, you'll see that a lot. And I have a scatter plot on the old tableau that plots everybody's contact rate and barrel rate. Um, and Carpenter's up there, and he's got a red dot, which means a high hard hit rate as well. So that's a good combination. Um, not a lot of plate appearances, but those two things, if you can do that for even 50 plate appearances, I believe at least a little bit. Um, but platoon probably by September. Platoon. Is that your term? Have you that you copyrighted that? No. Trademark? No. 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 You should. I don't even, you should. Okay. I'll try. If I ever hear it again, I'm, I'm going to say it's from you. Platoon? Yeah. That's very, very commonly used term. I feel like you're using so the oh see the way you're saying it. Plat makes I thought you were mixing the words. I thought we would come up with something here. No. Plateau slash platoon in a way. So like a platoon is like the player is kind of plateaued out and a platoon is no. incoming or pending. That's you what I was thinking. It. You can have that. Uh, you can have that. Oh, uh, maybe we'll create it together, you know? Okay. Why not? <laughs> Teamwork, John. We'll go sign the paperwork. Come yes, to Indiana, though. I think the taxes are a little lower. We'll do it here. Uh, yeah, Michigan taxes. Boy, that's <laughs> tough. Well, there you go. That's the Matt Carpenter discussion right there. The more you know. Nice. All right. How has Russell Crowe impacted your life? I feel I like it's probably very minimal based on the earlier conversation uh, we had. I gave away the lead earlier. Um, I, I do like A Beautiful Mind. I, I have a very specific movie type, and it's about um, when geniuses find themselves in very interesting dangerous situations like not not even just geniuses but like unexpected geniuses or some kind of story like that like goodwill hunting like that 21 movie about blackjack right um and oh. like a, a beautiful Kevin spacey you know he's canceled yeah. though by the way right yeah yeah okay, but cool. you can just, sure. if you can just go like this when you're watching it and block him out and then you're still allowed to watch it <laughs> as long as you don't see him or have any positive thoughts about him, I think. Um, but there's a scene in a beautiful mind where he plays go against one of the other college genius students. And he says um, he loses, but he says, how could you, you could not have won. I played the game perfectly. Um, and I don't know if he did. I don't know if, it's, if that scene is that he didn't actually play it perfectly, but I think probably he's smart enough to, yeah, he knew the optimal move every time and goes a, Although it may, it may not even been Go. I don't know what game it was. Do you know this movie? Sure. Uh, I haven't seen it in a long time, though, so I don't know what the game was either. I don't think it was Go because that Go is like an impossible game to know the optimal move in or something because there's trillions and trillions of iterations. Or, but whatever. He says, I played the game perfectly. My play was perfect. You could not have won, but he lost. So that um, kind of just tells you that sometimes in life and in fantasy sports more so, or even raising kids or whatever, like you can do everything right and still not get the result. And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't continue with the, I mean, the trust, the process thing is lame. That's very, I don't like to speak in glib terms like that, but it's somewhat, oh. sometimes. Um, so I didn't know we were yeah, going to say that. So. 
yeah, yeah. If you if you know what if you have worked with something and you think it works and you know I mean you know it works just because the results aren't going to be there. I mean, you're going to lose your fantasy baseball leagues every, you know, I don't know, one out of three times. Even the best players won't make the playoffs or win the they'll win the league not even half the time, right? So that's a life lesson. Especially in head-to-head. Bad yeah. luck coming your way. Yeah. That's fair. The best players win, what, like 60% of head-to-heads even in, in these kind of things? So it's a long game. you got to just trust the uh, the law of averages like we've talked about. That's my answer. My that was a pretty good answer. Bless right? you, boys. No, that was a great answer. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Right. Uh, you mentioned Goodwill Hunting. Mutation. you suspect. Yes, that's See? perfect. <laughs> there you go. That's why I love that movie. Everyone loves Goodwill Hunting. So you, yeah. you're cool now. You fit in. You make sense. You belong. You are a movie lover. It's official. But okay. I think about my home, <laughs> home league is head-to-head. Yeah. And I've been in it since 2014. I've won it three times, so I don't know if that's that's also a keeper league. So it has, you know, yeah. some more variables mixed in than just like straight redraft every year, which makes it interesting. But I will that's say, fun. three of those titles came in four years prior to last season. So who knows? Fun times. Uh, I'm in. I'm in that situation too. I don't. I think maybe we'll talk about this later. Um, but yeah, my main focus is on my home league as well with all my high school friends that we started in twenty. Yeah, 2006, when we were nice. 15 years old or something. And, like, I was always kind of – I've been doing Excel sheets and stuff since around then. Like, that's when I really got into it. And I really got into fan graphs and baseball reference and stuff in college, which was, like, 2010 to 2013. Um, so I was just, like, dominating them. I mean, but still, I won the league five out of the first 10 or 11 years, five out of nine maybe. And, like, that's a killer – because um, it's head-to-head categories, and then you go into a two-week playoff. So it's not, it's just super random, right? So to win 5 out yep. of 10 or 11 is pretty lucky. But I was absolutely just, like, way better than everybody for a long time because I knew the numbers and no one else did. But now, freaking 70% of my league reads my Substack every day, and they see all my drafts, <laughs> like, the guys I want. Like, I I can't, I can't do anything. I'm just giving away everything, and they're all consuming it. So, I mean, it's worth it. It's a good trade, but my success is going to be uh, diminishing moving forward oh i i like money look that's the price you pay for public analysis they all jump onto it and you can't this is something i battled with somewhere about a year ago with people who told me this hey give them everything and still win anyways i'm like okay well then i'm gonna try to do that it makes it a little harder. Trades come a little more difficult. In fact, trades have been a lot more difficult for me. I haven't made a trade in my home league in about a year, and that includes off-season where there would be trades allowed. So I, yeah, I don't know. I've just resigned myself. I, I don't even try to, like, get a good deal on guys. Like, I wanted to buy Lucas Giolito just this week. I Like, years ago, I would have started with some bad offer. I just came straight out with it and said, here, I'll give you – what did I give up? I gave up Cattell Marte and Christian Walker for freaking Lucas Giolito. And I got Camilo, Camilo Duvall too. But I mean, I got job done that. That's a bad trade for me, but that's what I had to do to get the pitcher I wanted. So is it that bad of a trade though? I probably, I don't, I don't think we'll it's, see, it guess. doesn't sound like it on the surface. So. No, I know I Giolito mean, has struggled and his last start last night, his whiffs were terrible. So he, yeah. even though he got the quality start, it wasn't that great of a start, but, but I mean, five years ago, if I was trying to buy Giolito who had like a, he's got a six ERA at the time. Like I probably oh. wouldn't have had to give up much, but now people are are sharper to that. And you're right, Giolito's like underlying stuff doesn't even look all that much. Well, it does actually. He's on he's on a list later, but but yeah, he's been hit hard. And last night wasn't super convincing, even with the what six point one good innings or something. But okay. that's where we're at. Like I, I just have to come out and give people fair. I'm like you know, woe is me. I have to give up fair trades now. I can't just you know, rip people off. So feel bad for me, please. Wow, dude. Yeah, that's tough, man. I'm, I'm sorry. But, you know, every once in a while, you get to dominate. Flawless victory. <laughs> All right. We're moving out of here with John Anderson. We're talking about random stuff. We just talked about Russell. Was that the Russell Crowe question? It was the Russell Crowe question initially. We, we're going all over the place here on Palazzo Pals Live and Uncensored. If you guys want to drop a question in the live chat, feel free to do so. You're welcome. Oh, we got a few comments here. Anthony says, hey, am I late? That's a running gag on the show. For those of you that don't know, Anthony is always late. Good to see you, my friend. 
Joe says, Fantasy Pros gave my draft an A. It's impossible that I am in last place in my league. Hey, oh, that's a funny yeah. bit. That's the classic Fantasy Pros draft <laughs> wizard analysis has become a ringing gag for those that don't know because it always seems to be way off. And then Jasper says, yeah, I know Granger. I'm just outside Columbia City off US 30 on 5 North. Hello. Hello, Jasper. <laughs> That got too specific. <laughs> uh, let's move to... I'm going to skip around. Uh, three by-low players in fantasy you would recommend right now are who? Matt Chapman. Oh, I like that. He slowered the strikeouts a bit and still hitting the ball hard, but the slugging percentage is just like a 4 or 5. I think you could probably get him for like free, and I would. Not in my league, though. Terrible. He's no. actually, I have him in that home league, and I'm not, people have tried to just nibble him for nothing, and I'm not doing that. Yeah. I'm not giving up. Yeah, smart. Uh, it's a good, uh, they, the ballpark, I don't know. I, Toronto was always a really good place to hit, but now it's not, maybe, but uh, the home runs are just, like, still going crazy there, but that's probably because of Vlad and T. Oscar. You know, if you have a good, if you have a lineup that hits a lot of home runs, your home bar, park is going to look good. But anyway, Chapman, I like uh, Marcelo Zuna also has been all over the hot hitters, super mega ultra hot hitters for the last few days. He's on the magic formula qualifiers on the notes. He's just like in all the underlying checking all those boxes. And yet um, his slugging percentage is only 418 as well with a batting average of 226. Um, so he's someone to go get. And uh, Giolito, I had on the list because of the 27% strikeout rate, 8% walk rate, 8% walk rate. is like league average. And, but I think that is an improvement from him. I think he's usually been like nine or ten percent. And I don't know. It's more of just like a track record thing. Like you can kind of believe that he's going to pitch much better and he can be had because people get very frustrated with pitchers um, like that. So maybe you can get him. And then I one one bonus is George Kirby. He'll be back. And oh yeah, he didn't he didn't do great while he was in the rotation. Um, but I mean, man, he's going to be like top three in the league in walk rate. And it's really hard to be bad when you walk so few hitters. So those are my guys. Victory lap certified. Booyah. Hell yeah. Look, I wanted to bring this up because you brought it up and it was an apropos time to share that my pal Crosby Spencer, shout out to Crosby. Shout. He has his own channel on the Palazzo Podcast Discord and he posts ballpark factors, specifically power park factors. Mm -hmm. And he's been doing this for a couple of years. He used to do it on Rota Fanatic, which is a website that I used to own and run once upon a time that no longer exists. That's life. Lessons are learned there. But Toronto is number nine uh, with a 104, 100 being average. So Cincinnati's number one based on his factors, and that's a 123. So clearly Cincinnati, yeah. when it comes to power, which I don't think a lot of people would argue. And it's interesting that Coors is six. Coors is at 106. Who do you think would be in the top three beyond Cincinnati in power for power parks this year? Milwaukee. Milwaukee seventh. That's a good oh, one. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, yeah. Really? That's close. Um, that's still good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess Yankee Stadium is usually up there. That's a uh, this year according to Crosby. Remember, this is Crosby's own shit. So this is a he's got it at a hundred, like middle of the pack this year. And this was. These numbers were ran two, yeah, two weeks ago. Okay, just. I wonder people. how I wonder how they're calculated because there's a lot of ways to do that. Some right, some wrong. Um, oh, big time! He's big to into yeah. X stats and doing his yeah. own. He does it his own way. You're right. So we have no. I'm sure he could explain it to us if he was tell here. Me, but tell me the top five. Top five: Cincinnati number one, Houston number two, mm -hmm. Miami number three, Chicago Cubs four, and the Diamondbacks five. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But he's got he he's got the uh emoji with the eyes that are popping out, you know, that thing. Yeah, yeah. He's got that next to Miami at three and Arizona at five as big surprises to him. So I the Miami one is so surprising that I, I don't think I would trust his list. No offense. <laughs> Hell yeah. Wow, now we're talking Hell! some shit. I gotta tell you. Crosby, I trust Crosby as much as anybody, but I can't say that other than I just know that because I've worked with him. But uh in fact, maybe I'll have him on the show next so we can talk about it in great detail because how he does it and how he creates it, I'm all for it. Uh, John has a great podcast. We'd love to see Rick Poundstone on your show. Very funny. Yes. Yeah. Do you know about that guy? Do you know about Rick Poundstone? I, 
Oh, sure. sure. Who, who doesn't know about Rick Pond? Well, I just, I just <laughs> encountered him and I don't know what to do about it. I, I think I am going to have him on, but I'm like terrified. Do you really want to spend an hour with that guy? I don't know. That's oh, it's like 10 minutes max. I mean, I'm not crazy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But all right, good. That makes sense. It's, it's like, it's a troll, right? I, I guess we can't, I guess you don't talk about Big trolls. Time live oh we talk about trolls we can talk about anything but is it like rude to 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 say that to someone who is like a troll account should you just always act like it's not it's not like no that's what he's doing he's but he knows he's trolling too so that's why he he does not break character he does not break even in no it's no he doesn't that's the thing he's taking it to the extreme and there's some people who hate it i know a couple people i've seen on twitter like legitimately pissed off and yeah. don't even engage in with him because they're so not into it. And I, I know the guy who does Rick Poundstone pretty well oh, and his, yeah. his whole point. Yeah. I, I'll talk about that off the air with you just so I don't expose Rick, <laughs> but uh, what he's done is basically just something he thought was needed because, you know, everybody seemed to be taking themselves a little too yeah. seriously. And I can appreciate that, but I, I don't love listening to Rick. I'm going to admit that freely. I can't do it. Well, it does make you like want to puke a little bit, but you also can't like <laughs> stop listening. I, I don't know. I, I'm with I'm with him. I I think I I enjoyed the Twitter of like 2012 much more than I much more than today. Um, maybe that was because I was 22 then, and now I'm. Although I'm, I guess no, because I would still like it better if it were that way, where you could just like be a total jackass and people wouldn't like. Not to say that you should be able to be offensive and mean. Sure. But to say that people should understand that that's where we're at here and there's an expectation of this and you should kind of not be so sensitive about it. And you should be able to make jokes and have it assumed, have yourselves given the benefit of the doubt that you're not trying to be malicious or bullying or whatever. So Absolutely. I don't know. It was more fun back then, but it's still good. I still like it's all about how you engage. It's up to you. You can be whatever you want to be. I, I stand behind this. And I get a lot of people who come to me and say, oh, I love you. You're so positive. You got so much positivity. But I I find I'm a very honest and real person. I don't I'm not out to slander people either, but I'm not there giving yeah. you know rainbows and puffy clouds of happiness all the time. I I'm all I talk very honestly and authentic about my life, my experiences, the pain, the brutality. I like to crack jokes. I'd like to have fun at other people's expense if I can, but it's a very delicate thing to do on there because I don't want to engage in ad hominem bullshit or any other stuff where it just, there's no way to find common ground when you start to have disagreements on Twitter. That And if you enjoy watching those fireworks, they still exist. You can find them all over. So go to town on that. But I, I purposely have, have avoided doing that. I mean, I'm not averse to it, but I, I have a ability because I think things, I mean, I'm an adult. Everybody yes. has opinions and, um, but I can get away with it. And there is a way to like disagree with people and argue with people without it being so like lame. I mean, you're probably not going to change anybody's mind or whatever, but I do think that I can like at least put out a different perspective or the one that I have and then at least like lay it out to make it clear at least so you can you you don't have to necessarily like i don't have to convince you but at least you can see that hey these other people think this way and like here's how it actually makes a little bit of sense if it's laid out and then the key is that your emotions kind of get get gone for whatever reason i just don't have that in me like i don't get angry at people especially strangers like what so I, i just have that ability to like argue calmly and that's good um so I I could do that too. I appreciate that tremendously. I just, you can't control the other people. I don't want to control the other people, but what we're talking in vague terms here. So if, if I said something controversial about somebody, like if somebody listened to this show and they said, you know what Govier said about this was pretty stupid. And here's why a, B and C, I would be totally down with that. I would be happy to engage in that discussion. The problem is in the public's fear, it could be, taken away from you rather quickly and it can go in another direction entirely as soon as somebody jumps in there and says something like yeah that guy's a piece of shit and then it's like uh oh and then it it, yeah. it just could be lost so i appreciate yeah. what you're saying and i'm with it but i'm also glad that in inadvertently i've been able to have this persona or this uh at least this 
this offering to people who do appreciate. I've gotten a lot of DMs, people saying, you know, I really appreciate your uh, refreshing point of view on a lot of stuff. So, so as far as I know, what I do isn't stale, even if it is considered pretty positive, which I'll take. Because the one thing I don't want to be, no matter what it is, is run of the mill and just saying things that are contrived and cliche ridden because that would be hell on earth for me. Yeah. The problem is with that, just to touch one more thing on it is that the middle of the road, people like yourself maybe. And I guess like myself too, the, the calm people that are, they understand that like internet fights aren't worth my time. Those, those people that understand that, and that's probably 80% of the people. And those are often like all the people in the middle. So all those people exit the conversation but what's left over is the people that are on the extremes and can't control themselves. So it makes it seem like this is our world where this we're so divided down the middle and there's no like way to argue, but it's just not the case. Like if these people were in person or if they could stay on topic or if everybody was joining except the extremes, like, right, it would be so much different. So it's the Twitter thing, like online, it's just not an accurate picture of the real world whatsoever, but that seems to me what's happened and why it's gotten so bad because all the people smart enough to have a good conversation just don't because they don't want to waste their day because they're smarter than that. So I don't know, a little paradoxical. Beautiful. That's right. We learned more. I didn't want that one, actually. We already used that. I hate repeats. That is so fetch. There we go. That was fetch. I dug that. Thank you. Also, we got some commentary. You guys could be a part of it if you want. JS says, I can confirm John's podcast is great and he has awesome guests, exclamation point. I'm emphatically using the exclamation point. Good job. For those of you that are hearing the audio version of this. Jasper says, Poundstone is a character. Get me LO, laughing my ass off quite often. Okay, well, that's... Jasper, we might disagree on that. Jared says, he's fun in small doses. Okay, yeah, I would agree with that. He's fun in small doses. That's true. <laughs> All right, we're moving forward here with John Anderson. Follow him on Twitter at John PGH, J-O-N-P-G-H. That's not J-O-H-N. No H in this, John. Yeah. H-free. Basically his entire life, right? Did you originally have the H and lose it, or has it always been this way? My name is Jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N. Boy, I don't even remember the last question we had. Oh, it was three players. I believe it was the three players question. So let's try. Your favorite member of the Wu-Tang Clan is who? I don't know anything about the Wu-Tang Clan. I know I should. Sorry. I, I'm not like I did listen to a lot of Christian music growing up, but I did get into rap um, a little bit. But it was like Kanye and Lupe Fiasco, and that oh, was Lupe. it. Lupe, Chicago's finest. And I was probably a little bit too late because I wasn't allowed to listen to any rap. Um, shout out to my parents. I'm sure that worked to my benefit. Um, so no, I, I don't have a freaking anything to say about the Wu Tang Clan. I apologize. <laughs> You have failed. No problem. We'll just move on. Uh, uh, why are tracking barrels so important to your own personal, well, your own fantasy baseball analysis? It seems like we know why barrels could be useful, but I'd just like to hear your take on the value of barrel analysis. Yeah, um, it's just more useful than home runs because it's something the hitter controls more. That The better stats are always the ones that have the less random variables going in. So you can hit the same fly ball in uh, Cincinnati as compared to Detroit and Detroit. It's a, like a fly out that looks like nothing, you know, like no one would even say, Oh, he hit that ball pretty well. It would just look like a lazy fly out. But in Cincinnati, it goes over the fence. Um, but the barrel system, the the launch speed angle, that's what it's called on Savant. Um, it assigns a one through six for every batted ball. It puts them in these categories. The sixes are the best. Those are the barrels. Um, so those, th- there's no other parks doesn't matter. The weather doesn't matter. I mean, weather matters a little tiny bit, but not really. So it gives you a better idea of who's actually hitting for power. Um, but it is a problem because it, it doesn't consider strikeouts. So if people aren't familiar with this, um, Joey Gallo is the perfect example, right? Really high barrel rate, but he's awful because barrel rates, it just says what percent of your batted balls go for barrels. Joey Gallo hardly has any batted balls because he strikes out 35% of the time and then he walks another 15% of the time. So immediately almost 50% of his chances to even do anything are gone. So he just can't help <laughs> a fantasy team because he's getting half of the at-bats, uh, not the at-bats, but half the batted balls. Um, so you have yeah. to work that in with strikeout rate and even walk rate 
more often or more so too. But, but if you just focus on barrel rate and strikeout rate, low strikeout rate, high barrel rate, that's going to tell you a lot. And anybody uh, like we talked about with Carpenter, anybody with like a barrel rate over 20% and a strikeout rate under 25%, they're probably going to have success in the future. So it's, it's a good predictive way to look at hitters. Ooh, okay. That's impressive. Thank you. That's exactly what I like to hear. You also mentioned my tigers. So go tigers. Threw that in there real quick. Comerica park often overly hyped as a pitcher's park. If you hit the ball to left field, you can hit some home runs quite easily, but otherwise, yeah, it was yeah. the biggest square footage next to Coors field. I think it, it definitely has the worst, like uh, the percent of barrels that go for homers there. It's like routinely at the bottom of the list. Uh, it could just be that hitters there are like tigers don't have a lot of juiced up hitters. So like Miguel Cabrera is he'll hit some barrels, but they won't be good barrels. Right. So that factors in, but I mean, it's definitely a tough park to, to hit it out. Oh of. my God. It, yeah. yeah. They're so bad. I mean, they, uh, uh, they're so bad this here? year when it comes That's, to power and all that. It's the end. I have not gone once. It, I haven't gone Miguel, once. Is Miggy done this year? <sighs> nope. Oh, no. I thought, I thought the not over. Uh, no, that's the thing. Like he's not Pujols. Pujols, this is the farewell. It's finally over. He's yeah. with the Cardinals for the last go around. Miggy will be here next year, and I don't know what the hell they're going to do. I don't know he's how killing. this thing ends. It's he's killing that team. Yeah. He's got to know. He, yeah. he, that's what. I'm, see, you're hitting on a point that I've been talking or thinking about. Maybe I haven't verbalized it enough lately, but I think there's a real problem with his massive presence and a huge ego as one of the best players of the recent. 20 years as a hitter, there's no doubt about it. He's a Hall of Famer, first ballot, right off the bat. And that's a guy who's hanging on, but also demands probably a lot of the same. Like, his personality didn't, hasn't changed, or who he is. He he doesn't yeah. probably understand, hey, I'm in a situation now where it's over, and we're trying to transition to a new era. And there is... Those things do happen. He's part of the leftovers of a team that was on a great run. Once he showed up around 08, the team had a World Series appearance, a lot of playoff opportunities, didn't quite work out. But since 2015 and 16, he's just been treading water here. And there's still another year left on that deal, I believe, at least. So it's... It's an interesting question. (sighs) The team's not going to cut him. I mean, the team is very respectable to let, you know, that guy did you... A lot of favors and made you a lot of money. Not that you you paid a lot of it back to him, but but whatever. The team's not going to like take the not immoral, but whatever. Like that wouldn't be the cool thing to do to like cut him, right? But you would think that right. the player might have some awareness. Like, all right, I'm hurting this team. They're being nice, so let me stay around. But maybe it's time for me to to go and and kind of let them uh, see what they can do without me. But I don't know. I, you well, he did the get the three thousand hit plateau this year, so that's over yeah, now. I mean, so I would yeah. be I would be curious if to wonder what's going on inside the minds of a very, very poorly run front office with Al Avila and Chris Illich, who's a douchebag. And yeah, I'll say that. I'll say it all day. Chris Illich is a douchebag. Why would they sign Javier Baez? Because they thought they were the, they thought they were the shit, man. They thought they were on the brink (laughs) after last year. They overplayed last year. They outplayed what they really had. And it was fun to see that. AJ Hinch, maybe it had been a big boost in that, but They've been so historically bad this year. Dead last at home runs by a mile. Last I checked the other day, it was 52 home runs total this year. The Yankees have like three times that almost, or almost at least two and a half times that. So (sighs) whatever. I I focus uh, on fantasy baseball. I live here, but fantasy baseball is what I really focus on. I'm a Tigers fan way, 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 way down the trough. Fantasy baseball first. I'm the same with the Pirates. I've, I've given up on them as well for the fantasy life. But if, if the Pirates ever did, maybe they will in the next few years, but I would jump right back yeah. on So There's some fun talent brewing there. It's yeah. it's kind of exciting. But I was a huge Pirate guy for the first, like, 25, 26 years of my life. So The McCutcheon years were fun. Ah, 2013 through 16. It was awesome. Yeah, great times. Yeah, exactly. So we were both living the dream with our teams to a certain extent during that period. But, it you know, you want the best you don't always get that. And there's something, in fact, I'm going to ask this question next because it goes to what we're talking about with clubhouses and team chemistry and all these things that we don't quantify. We can't really quantify. And it has to do with the manager. And I saw Rob Silver tweet about this the other day. So it got me thinking as well, like fantasy baseball and baseball managers. You know, what is the value of a manager for fantasy production? And could we ever quantify or track the importance of a manager 
on that production? Nothing. There's nothing. It's not important. <laughs> I got nothing. There's no way. It's not it even important, though. Who cares? No. The only thing I... I I guess the better question to answer is, can you quantify it? And no, you can't. Because how, how could you ever know that if some player's improved performance um, is attributable to the manager? How would you ever know? Like, maybe, but how could you ever prove that? Like, even if the player said it, you still wouldn't, you shouldn't believe him. Um, the only what thing about I, tendencies? I like, like managerial tendencies that might you could see that they would consistently, because there are tendencies certain managers have if you go and track it out and you could say, well, this manager's tendency is to, the it only, might have to be more more to do with pitchers than hitters, but. I mean, I guess like pitch counts, like for the, for a while, the Indians, um, Guardians now, they, they were benefiting from Francona by just, he just let these pitchers throw 120 pitches, right? With Bieber, Savali, Plezak there, even up back two years ago. That's over now. Because Savali and Bieber both like died last year, right? So <laughs> they, they quit that quick. So, but that that was something that like you were benefiting and getting a few more quality starts if you were in that. A lot of times it hurt you because they'd go into the eighth inning tired and, but whatever. If you're in a quality start league, like that was a good place to go. Um, and then stealing stolen bases, I guess maybe like some managers, um, the, the steals have been coming down as as we know, and maybe there's differences in managers of. I want to steal still, and I don't want to do that at all. But again, it's still hard to know what to attribute it to. So those yeah. two kind of edgy things, but I'm not even looking at the managers if I'm like getting ready for a draft or anything. It's too much yeah. to guess at. Yeah, yeah that's fine. That's that is the yes. most ridiculous yes. piece of philosophical bullshit I have ever heard. Yes, us talking about managers and trying to quantify it. Ridiculous philosophical bullshit on our part. All right, we're almost done here with John Anderson. We're going to wrap up the show momentarily. Follow him on Twitter at John J O N. P-G-H. Please, subscribe to his Substack, guys. Come on, there's some good stuff in there. Quality nuggets. Who doesn't love fantasy nuggets? I'm a, I'm a big fan of fantasy nuggets. They're delicious, especially a little bit of barbecue sauce. Oh, what's your favorite sauce for chicken? BBQ, honey mustard, Chick-fil-A sauce? Uh, yeah, barbecue sauce is good. I, I, yeah, I, I've been looking for a... Ch- I know chili doesn't really go with chicken. But I've been I've been looking for or sal- salsa r- rather. It's not at all to go with chicken, but I I have recently been trying to buy a good salsa because grocery store salsa is awful. So oh yeah yeah make your own salsa. But I also don't do I don't do hot stuff super well either. Like my I'm a little sensitive to the hot stuff. So so am I. I could never be on hot ones. I could never make it that far. Those those are just yeah. The Scoville scale freaks me out, and I don't have the ability to go that deep. Jasper says, LOL, I stay away from Poundstone, but laugh like hell at whomever he's getting in. People love talking Poundstone, I tell you. He's made his mark on society. That'd probably All be my right, best so I get two- ever. <laughs> Seriously, I bet it would be. Yeah. Just make it five minutes only. All right, two more questions. We're going to hit the road here on the Palazzo Pals edition of the Palazzo Podcast. Two L's, two Z's. Utah. Go to the Twitter handle at the top of the page. Find the Patreon. Starts for as little as $3. Discord is free. I love this tweet because I found it so interesting. You were talking about how your local coffee and donut shop had raised their wages and it had changed your perspective. Why did it change your perspective so much that they were paying $14 an hour to their employees? Uh, It's the minimum wage debate, right? So... There's a, a the old um, there's a book called Economics in One Lesson written in the 1940s or something. So immediately people will tell me that I shouldn't be reading stuff from the 1940s, but that's ridiculous. You should, of course, because economics don't change. But the the long answer, I'll try to make it short, is that um, I don't I never really fully supported like forcing businesses to raise to $15 minimum wage. That's the trendy thing, because I just didn't think. I still don't that like if, if I run a pizza shop out of my garage, say I, I whatever I can, if I want to have a couple kids working for me, a couple 18 year olds, I'm probably not making enough money to pay them $15 an hour. So guess what happens if you tell me I have to pay them $15 an hour, I'm firing them, right? Like I'm getting rid of them. Maybe the business is, maybe the businesses just collapses and you're just putting out these small businesses. So um, I assumed, and then I did find out later that this coffee place isn't, it wasn't like the local rinky dink mom and pop. It is a chain, but smaller. Okay. I don't know. I was surprised that they could afford to pay someone $14 an hour to fill up coffee cups and serve donuts. So um, that right there, the fact that that guy was making $14 an hour and he just told me it, like I got in a conversation with him. Um, 
I was surprised because I didn't think that, you know, I would think that they'd be losing money on his labor right there. So, yeah. Um, I, so that made me like a little bit more accepting of like, okay, maybe these companies have just been like paying people $7 an hour because they can while they're <laughs> making like $25 an hour off of them. I still don't really believe it, but it, it opened my eyes a little bit like, okay, this little coffee donut shop is making a better profit margin on coffee and donuts than I thought. Still don't really think that you should force every business nationwide to pay people $15 an hour because I think you're just going to get people fired and unemployment's going to go down and the big corporations that can't afford it are just going to take over more than they already have. So it's just not that easy of a question. And I'm willing to, to debate it and I'm willing to be proven wrong. But I don't know. People just make that one so simple. Like everyone should get paid $20 an hour. It's like, that's nice, but it's not feasible either. So that's my answer. Wow. Well said. Okay, cool. Very, very cool. The money in your account. It didn't do too well. It's gone. It happens. Yeah. Look, I think there's a lot of variants and variables in there too. And you alluded to that. I don't think it's, I don't think you're saying it's universal or absolute. So I, I just appreciate that when someone says that publicly, like, Hey, I thought one thing and now I'm reconsidering after some new evidence. I just yeah. admire the hell out of that. Cause you just don't always get that. So kudos to you for saying that seriously. Finally, the final question on today's Palazzo Pals podcast. Actually, it's a live stream, too, so it's it's really a show. This is a show. This is a show. This is a show. Uh, okay, wait. I'm going to ask two real quickly. So this one's, right. why, does, why does Zach Gallen lead the National League in hit by pitch? Somebody has to. Someone's got to lead the league. <laughs> okay. There's no answer for it. That's a great answer. I actually, I, I was going to I was gonna answer this question. I looked up the list of pitcher, of hitters that he hit. And I was going to see if it was like all like Dominicans or something. I'd be, and I was just going to say like, well, he must hate Dominicans, but it wasn't. So yeah, it was not a bigoted or like biased or discriminatory yeah. thing. No, That's good. That's good to know. He's very uh, inclusive of, of who he's plunking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Way to go, Zach Allen. You're plunking everybody equally. I appreciate that. He does lead the national league in hit batsman. Fascinating. And then finally, what website occupies the greatest percentage of your total screen time in any given week? Uh, Twitter by by far. Oh, by I've far. Fallen into it. Yeah, uh, I it's it's Twitter. I don't have a. I mean, I work and I write, and I have two kids and a wife, and I run and I read books. So um, I spend too much time on Twitter. But it's I, I try to like make that at the expense of other things rather than like the stuff I just mentioned. Um, and I I'm way too into it, man. It, it's fun. Like people say, and I. I will be the first one to say as well, like social media is terrible for young people and they shouldn't <laughs> be on it. Um, especially young girls, like even more so, like I think that stuff just completely can ruin your life and you should keep your kids off of it. But I think I, I grew up in a year a little bit older than me. It seems like, so we kind of missed it, right? Like we came up through our formative years without it and perfect. So I can handle it pretty well. And I have a lot of um, good, like interactive followers that, I appreciate and a lot of good people that I follow. So it's interesting and helpful and it's not, it doesn't like get me bent out of shape or I don't lose sleep or anything like that. So I've found a happy medium. Um, so Twitter's a lot of fun. Um, not to say that I'm, I shouldn't cut back, but that one. And then uh, in college though, do you remember sporkle.com? Of course I do. The trivia site, man. That was, loved I, it. I'm, I'm sure it's still going, but yeah, that site was awesome. Still is. And I would, all I the spent, sports ones, like yeah. every single sports possibility. I yeah. tried to do them all. <laughs> Great stuff. Yes. S-P-O-R-C-L-E for people. To, if you're going to waste a bunch of time on the internet, at least you could do it like that and learn something, you know? Damn right. Wow. So Twitter's the one. Sitting with the scumbags, telling jokes. That's wild. I thought maybe like fan graphs or something might be the possibility, but that so was... that's on the list. But I've, um, the, the second uh, answer is probably my, it's probably Tableau, Tableau Public, uh, the John PGH MLB 2022 dashboard is probably right up there at the top of my screen time because um, as as John Legaza so nicely said last week, what did he say? I, mean, I, don't, I don't want to toot my own horn, but you tell me, you tell the people what he said about it. Uh, he said it was amazing. <laughs> he said it was the preeminent best fantasy baseball tool on the internet, which... Holy shit! I'm not going to argue. It's pretty freaking cool. Um, wow. And anything you want to know is there. I mean, it's a little overwhelming because I don't explain anything. Or, <laughs> but that's okay though. If people find it of use, then 
Let them figure it out. Give people the benefit of the doubt. It's free. Totally free. Yep. We find that at the top of your Twitter feed or. Um, I guess that would be a problem too. That yeah, I don't, I don't like. see it in there. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. I will. Uh, it's in the notes if you're a premium subscriber. Oh, but um, okay. it is available for anybody. So every once in a while, I'll tweet out the link. But if you look okay. up uh, John dot Anderson four two one two Tableau, you'll find it. John dot Anderson four two one four. Uh, tableau four two one two. I can four send two you the one URL. two. It doesn't matter. It, they'll find it if they want to, and tweet me, and I'll I'll share the link. Okay. But. Well, there it is. Tableau City. Have fun with Tableau. I don't know enough about Tableau. I hear about it all the time. People talk about it. Uh, my former pal. He's still my pal. Shout out to Car Mayorano. <laughs> Hope you're doing well out there. He was big in the Tableau. Can we get a TLR manager index? I feel like there is something quantifiable there, says Joe. Uh, yeah, maybe that's the case. And Jared says it's Henry Hazlitt season. Do I know who that is? That's the guy that wrote the book I mentioned. The oh, look at you, Jared. Economic. Hell yeah. Guy. Paying attention. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I respect that. Well done. Yes. Economics in one lesson. It is a question though, right? Like what if... If someone wants to work for $5 an hour and I want to pay them that, why should the government tell us we can't do it? Well, there's nothing wrong with that per se, but the problem is that the government and other, well, not the government, but the private industries will take advantage and they will all try to make it that way. If somebody, not everyone's going to be generous. They'll usually go to the lowest floor. Whatever the lowest possibility is, is what they'll do. There would have to be collusion and that, and then I think there are are laws against price gouging. Very possible. Collusion. I so, think it's very possible. A- Look, I, private industry is very, they can, I think it's difficult to trust them to do the right thing. But I also don't trust the government to be the arbiters of what's best for economics. So we're really caught. Yeah. Is there a third option? Is there somebody else where we can go here? <laughs> they say, um, Winston Churchill said, uh, democracy is the worst form of government except for all of the others. And that's that's how I feel with uh, capitalism and <laughs> laissez-faire economics like you can poke holes in it but man there's not a lot that works better so thanks for letting <laughs> me talk about all this stuff this, oh this hell kind of, yeah Dude, me saying this stuff makes a lot of people very angry too that's it's pretty interesting people get pissed at you like they yeah tweet at yeah, you or they anything, dm you like hey what are you doing if i if i have anything critical to say about like minimum wage laws it's happened a few times like people come at me mean i think Having a discourse about it is healthy. Yeah. And we if if there's a disagreement about it, don't take it personally. Just dig into your argument and find more relevant evidence to support what you want to say. Maybe. No doubt. No doubt. And we can't capitalism at its finest. We can't do anything about it anyway. So it's it is kind of fraud at the end of the day, but it's fun to talk about. <laughs> There it is. Now the truth is out. I knew it. There it is. We got John on the record uncensored today. I hope you learned a thing or two about John Anderson and maybe you found it to be somewhat entertaining. Uh, You never know. Make sure you follow my Twitter at J-O-N-P-G-H. John, I commend you for your honesty and you don't back down. You just tell it like it is. You're not a dick. You're very even keel, which, you know, for me, I'm clearly uh, not even keel. So I welcome people that are they find that balance, or at least it appears that you have a balance that you express to others, and it doesn't matter what we're talking about. We could be talking about minimum wage, we could be talking about you know hitters that are hot or not, or we could be talking about anything. So I I really appreciate that. I've enjoyed this conversation, and this has actually been one of the more challenging conversations that I've had because you know we didn't agree on everything, but I really found a a lot of value in what you had to say today. So uh, thanks for that. And we are close enough to feasibly drive and fist fight about it too. And we didn't end up in a fist fight. So I think you would probably That's win right. that. You'd probably win that fist fight. No, I wouldn't just because yeah. I weigh 80 more pounds than you. doesn't mean I have an ounce of uh, rage in me. I'm very passive. In fact, yeah. I've never punched anyone in the face of my life ever. So yeah, same. I, I find violence terrifying. I love sports violence. <laughs> I love to play football and I love to get out there and hit people, but I never, I just don't, it's too terrifying. Violence is Real one-on-one or group violence where you have to defend yourself or attack someone is so intense, man. It's People, they talk about war. They play Call of Duty. You have no idea, people. You have no clue. 
You really don't. If you've never even experienced a fight, which is something I've I've been punched in the face, but I've never hit anybody. So don't fight and don't buy NFTs and go trade for Matt Chapman. This concludes. Hell yeah! This concludes our broadcast day. Thanks so much to John. You guys, follow me on Twitter, MJ Gobier. Plausible Podcast 2 Utah. Well, two Zs. Give me Thanks, two. everybody, in the live chat for chatting with us, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.